Pastor Rob here from City East Church and MTL Ministries. What you hold is true. Is it really truth? Will what you believe get you through on Judgment Day? Are you keeping to the pattern of sound teaching held out in Scripture? In this series, Truth, Judgment and Eternity, I intend to deliver messages that check the solidness of our Christian foundation so as to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us as Christ's ambassadors on this earth. If we can turn to Proverbs 8.22. Turn in your Bibles, if you've got a Bible there. In this section of Proverbs, Solomon is describing who wisdom is. And you're going to quickly discover that it is a picture of Jesus Christ himself as we, as we go through it. You're going to see a picture of Jesus Christ. And it was very, this is a very inspired section because remember Proverbs is giving us words of wisdom. But then out of the blue you get this incredible description of wisdom. So Proverbs 8.22, and it's 2 down, we're going to go to the end of the chapter. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. Before his deeds of old, I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning, before the world began. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favour from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. Isn't that amazing? It's talking about wisdom. And if you, if you just look at it as wisdom all the way through there, meaning God's wisdom to create everything, it makes perfect sense. But if you just see it also as Jesus Christ, it's a picture of Jesus Christ. And really, Jesus Christ and wisdom are one. It's a revelation of Christ um, as the pre-existent one. Okay, let's just before we go further, let's pray. Lord, we just uh, lift up uh, this sermon to you, Lord, and I just pray right now that you will just... Uh, give us deeper insight into this scripture and uh, all the scriptures related to it. And I pray for your anointing to deliver this sermon, your uh, words to be given me so that this sermon will have a deep impact on each and every one of us. And I pray this in your precious name. Bless this sermon now. Amen. Amen. Have you ever noticed that everybody seems to have a different concept of who Christ is? You notice that when you talk to people, they tell you about Jesus and they'll say what they think, you know. Jesus is, or who he was, or whether he even was at all. If you ask 10 people in the street who Jesus Christ is, you'll get 10 different responses. I've heard the craziest responses of who Jesus is and how he came to be Jesus and the type of man he was. And, you know, if you read Gnostic texts, you'll get a real very different Jesus to the Jesus of the Bible. So everyone has their own ideas and concepts, don't they? 
Most of these people begin their answer, though, with I think. They'll always start, I think Jesus was a good man, but he definitely wasn't the Son of God. They think it. It's not necessarily based on truth. It's not necessarily based on any circumstantial evidence. It's just thought, isn't it? The problem we have today is most people think up what they want to believe about Christ. It is not based, as I just said, on circumstantial evidence or historical facts, nor what Christ said or what his prophets and apostles said about him. It's not based on any of those things. It's based on what they think according to what someone else has maybe said in the, in the documentary they watched or, or whatever. Most of the time it is based on pure imagination and speculation. You know, and this is, this is what we contend with every day, is people basing their opinions and, and concepts of Jesus Christ upon what they think or what someone else thinks and they adopt that thought as their own. Do you know what I mean? And when you try to present them the pure Christ as presented in the gospel, they don't want to know about that Christ because it's in a way they don't want to know the truth. They're more content to believe the lie than to know the truth. But when it comes to finding out who Christ is, there is no greater authority on the subject than the Bible. Amen? There's no greater authority. You know, if you, if you want to find out about Allah, where do you go? You go to the Quran. And Quran will tell you what Allah's like. You know, if you want to find out about Hindu gods, you go to the Bhagavad Gita's and, and all these other things that they read. And they'll tell you about their gods. But if you want to find out about Jesus Christ, you go to the source, don't you? You go to the Bible. There is no other book on the planet that has an accurate and authoritative description of Jesus Christ than the Bible. When it comes to where I go to get insight into Jesus Christ, I'll turn to the Bible every time and believe what it has to say rather than be swayed by any of these wild and imaginative fairy tales which men create daily about him. And when I say men create these fairy tales daily, in many respects they literally do. Just about every day you'll hear a new concept. Jesus is the most controversial figure in the world. There is no greater and more controversial figure than Jesus Christ. They're always coming up with new things about him to discredit the, the source of where we find out about Jesus, which is the Bible. They're always coming up with new stuff. If you desire the truth about Jesus Christ and you turn to the source, you don't turn to the imaginations of men. Simple. You go to the source. 1 Corinthians one twenty four. it says this in the New American Standard. It says, But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Christ, who is the power of God, and Christ, the wisdom of God. This title given to Christ as being the wisdom of God is a clear allusion to our text in Proverbs 8, 22 to 36, isn't it? Because that text in Proverbs was centred around explaining wisdom to us. But then we find in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the wisdom of God. So he's referred to the person of wisdom. But Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. He is that part of God which rightly applies knowledge with good judgment. And that's what wisdom is. If you rightly apply knowledge with good judgment, you are wise. So Jesus is that part of God that rightly applies knowledge with good judgment. He's the wise part of God. Not that God the Father isn't wise, because he is, and the Holy Spirit is wise, but Jesus rightly applies the knowledge unto creation. 
because everything that was that is was created through him and for him and by him. So Jesus, as the wisdom of God, is revealed in both John 1 and Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Now, when I say that, uh, John 1 reveals that Jesus is the word of God. We all know that passage. And that, therefore, that tells us that Jesus, if Jesus is the word of God, then he is the wisdom of God. In, in a sense, it's saying the same thing. He's the living word. He's also wisdom of God. And also we see that in, one, in Colossians 1, 15 to 20, where it describes Jesus as the preexistent one the one that always was. So we're going to have a look at those quickly. The word or wisdom becomes flesh. In the Bible translation called God's Word, I didn't know there was a Bible translation called God's Word, but there is. It translates Colossians 1.16 and it says this, Let Christ's Word with all its wisdom and richness live in you. So let his Word, which is all wisdom, with all its wisdom, because Christ, everything Christ said is pure wisdom. There's not, there's not a word that he said which was not coming from a wise source, was there? Mm-hmm. It was coming from the ultimate of wisdom, which was universal wisdom, a wisdom that will stand uh, and never have to be changed for eternity. It's an immutable wisdom. Christ's word is wisdom. John 1, 1 to 5 says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus. Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Jesus, and apart from Jesus, nothing came into being that has come into being. So apart from Jesus, nothing that we have has come into, into being. This is an amazing revelation. In him was life. So all life emanates from Jesus. And the life, that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And what that's saying is on this earth we are living on, in a dark world, right? It's dark. It's covered in darkness. And where the light shines into those darkness, the darkness hasn't comprehended it meaning the evil of this world doesn't comprehend it. That's why so many people don't get it when you talk to them about Jesus because they're covered in darkness. They don't comprehend. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Well, in the physical, it's light, isn't it? We have daylight for 12 hours. You know, God is shining his light, but it's only those who are willing to be illuminated by his light that will receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Okay, John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus. The Word of, the, of God, who was with God in the beginning, who through everything was made, became flesh, and that Word is Jesus Christ, and that's who we have now. And so that's why it's such a magnificent thing it was probably the biggest turning point in the history of the earth because God, not probably, was and definitely is. He came and nothing has been the same since. And it's like he, he called himself the double-edged sword. He also said, I, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword that your enemies will be in your own family, you know, that you bring dissension between a mother and their daughter, father and his son. And what that means, he came to divide the sheep from the goats, to work out who's going to be for me, who's going to be against me. So Jesus is that dividing force on this earth. 
And um, it, it's always been that way for 2,000 years. Because the darkness has not understood or comprehended the truth of Christ. Who Jesus is. Colossians 1.15-20 says, He's the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. When Jesus comes, the invisible God became visible. The firstborn of all creation. That word is deceptive in that context. The firstborn of all creation. And that's why I want to talk about the Greek word for firstborn just once again. Because um, a lot of people get that wrong. They'll say, oh, firstborn of all creation, that means he's a creature. The Christadelphians and the Jehovah Witnesses use that verse to uh, back up their view that Jesus was a creature and not the Son of God. But we'll talk about that in a second. For by him all things were created. So by Jesus all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible things. Whether they were, So they were visible things like material things, but also invisible things, angels and uh, all the hosts of heaven that we can't see. Whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, meaning the first one to come alive from the dead for eternity, because there was others that had been raised to life prior to Jesus being raised to life, but they died again. Jesus was raised to life once and for all. He's beginning in the firstborn from among the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. So the Father had incredible pleasure letting the fullness of who God was to dwell in Jesus as a person. But even so, he still had was limited in his use of power, wasn't he? But he said, even, even when they said, if you're the Son of God, you know, come down from the cross. Jesus could have easily come down from the cross, but he stayed there. And it wasn't the nails that kept him on the cross. It was his love for humanity that kept him on the cross. Jesus had the power to come down from the cross. He could have commanded legions of angels to come and wipe out all his enemies, but he didn't. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of God to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So what that's saying is he reconciled everything by his blood. Everything on earth is reconciled to him, provided we accept his reconciliation. All we have to do is just say, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I accept the blood that was shed for me. And that blood atones and covers my sin. And then it's not just a matter of just saying that and then living your own life after that. You've got to now say, well, he bought me at that precious price. He paid for me. Now I'm in his hands and I'll live for him according to his will and according to his design for my life, not according to my own design. And so that's, there's a twofold step there. And that's what a lot of people who claim to be Christian but living you know, sinful lives forget. Yeah, he covered your, your sin. But if you keep on going out and sinning, there comes a time where there's no uh, sacrifice left for sins. We've got to keep focusing on Christ. We do not sin deliberately. I think that's important. We can go into that at greater detail at a later time anyway. So um, the word prototokos, Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I know I've been over this before, but it's important. The term firstborn is misleading, and it causes many to interpret this as meaning that Jesus is a creation, as it says that he is the firstborn of all creation. 
And it's easy to see how they could read that, isn't it? You know, in the NIV, that's how it reads, uh, and in other translations also. However, the word which many Bibles translate as firstborn is the Greek word prototokos, which means first or preeminent, or first in time, which is how it's uh, interpreted in Matthew one twenty five and Luke 2.7. It spe- specifically refers to Christ as the first to experience glorification. Uh, i.e. at his resurrection in Hebrews 12.23 and Revelation 1.5. For this and countless other reasons, Jesus is preeminent and unequivocal sovereign over all creation, which is Colossians 1.16. He is the first among others who follow, as with the preeminent glorified Christ, the eternal Logos, who possesses self-existent life in John 5.26. So did you notice none of these definitions... It, where it's referred to in other areas of the Bible for the word prototokos comes up as firstborn. Mm. It's only in Colossians. But if you, you could actually better say this scripture, he's the image of the invisible God preeminent over all creation. Is probably a far better way of describing it, preeminent over all creation. Yeah? Mm. Not firstborn over all creation. Proverbs 8.22, and it says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of... Of his work before his deeds of old. Solomon, under the inspiration, and this is back to our text now that we read at the beginning, Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned the most insightful passages about the pre existent one who the New Testament has revealed to be Jesus Christ. Because everything about Jesus Christ in the New Testament confirms the words of Solomon in Proverbs 8, doesn't it? It just lines up perfectly. Wherever in eternity an eternal God has his beginning, that was when Christ was begotten. You know, listen to those words. The Lord possessed me before the deeds of old. Other versions say the Lord begot me or begat me or gave birth. So I think that's a, a possessed isn't probably the right word here. The Lord begat me at the beginning of his work before his deeds of old. So before anything was created, before matter was created, before space in the universe was created, before time was created, while there was still nothing, the Lord God begat Jesus Christ then, in eternity. Now that's hard to fathom because how can the eternal God have a beginning? There's no beginning to eternity because there's no end, there's no beginning. So I think it, it's a word that we understand from having a beginning. God uses the word, but outside of its ability to be comprehended. That there must have been not necessarily a time when he began to be, you know what I mean? But there was never a time when he didn't begin, but at that time he was always begotten, if you know what I mean. He just always was. Yeah, it's just hard to comprehend and get your mind around but it's just as difficult to get your mind around a universe that never ends that no matter how far you go in whatever direction it just never comes to an end well that's the same with jesus jesus just always was but then it says he did he was begotten so it's a real real trick and i think this is going to be what when we receive our imperishable bodies we're in heaven with jesus Jesus and God are going to give us the most incredible revelations of, of him and who he was as the pre-existent one who always was. Before anything was created, before matter was created, before the heavens or angels were created, before space and time, Jesus was begotten by the Father. Proverbs 8.23 says, I was appointed from eternity 
from the beginning before the world began. It's essential to understand that Christ was not created. He was brought forth from God the Father, and he is God. He is as much God the Father as the Father is, yet his own... Yet his own, he is his own person, just as the Holy Spirit is his own person. They're uniquely distinct, yet they're one. And we're going. This is the Trinity we're talking about. The true God of the universe is a relationship with three persons. God exists as three persons, but one. So when we say God, we are saying Father, Son, Holy Spirit in one. They're not, you know, pantheistic or anything like that. They're one God. In, in totality, but they exist as three persons. And there's a reason for that. Because our God is a relationship. Our God is doesn't need his creation in a sense. It's not like he created us because he needed us. He didn't create us so that, wow, now I know I exist because you guys are there. He already knew he existed because he's a relationship. And this is my next point. If you really think about it, it makes perfect sense. If God existed alone in the universe, then how would he even know he exists? Just say there was nothing. There's no time, no space, no matter, no nothing. It's just completely devoid of anything. And God exists, but he's alone. As this is sort of how the Muslim God is. Allah. He exists on his own. You can't know that God. How would God even know he exists? If he exists alone in nothingness, there's, there's not a chance he could know that he's there. There's no chance that he could relate or bounce his ideas around because there's nothing to bounce off, you know what I mean? Now, Christ and the Holy Spirit confirm the Father's existence. Therefore, the Trinity is interdependent of each other. God has a need. He needs his Son and he needs his Holy Spirit. God the Father needs the Son and they need the Holy Spirit. All three of them need each other. They cannot exist as God without each other. And the funny thing is, you cannot remove them. They cannot be destroyed. They've always existed. Nothing in matter could destroy God because they created matter. And if they just let go, because it says everything is held together by Christ, if Christ let go of the reins, matter would just disassemble and would just fall and just disintegrate. Everything only stays together because that God holds it together. And this is important to understand, especially these guys who are making war against God. You know, how foolish. How foolish is Satan to make war against God? And that's what he's declared. He's declared war against the Father and against the Son. Yet, if God let go of the strings, just for a moment, Satan would drop and be gone. He's crazy. He should know better because he's quite an intelligent guy. Satan. Mm. He should know better. Proverbs 8, 24 to 26, and it says, Where there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth, before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, he was given birth. Jesus. Before anything came to be, before creation itself, Christ was begotten of God. Christ reveals himself through the words of Solomon as the pre-existent one, the maker of both heaven and earth. He he's, reveals that clearly. He was there, Proverbs 8, 27 to 29. See, this is important, guys. We've got to remember who our Jesus is. If you let go of this sort of information for a little while, Jesus just becomes this nice man that existed in the first century. 
you know, walks around, you know, he died on the cross for us. Yep, he did that really good thing. He was so sacrificial. He loves us. You know, but we're forgetting he is God. And he has as much power to swing the universe around as, as God the Father. That man that walked on earth was God. If that man chose to, he could have clicked his fingers and everything around him would have just been destroyed. He has that sort of power. He was beyond the way the world team seems to portray him. He's way beyond that. And we've got to keep, keep that in our mind. We serve the highest of highs. We serve the most powerful God the universe ever could know. There's no greater God than our God. And he was revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. What an awesome God. He's an awesome God. So Proverbs 8, 27 to 29 says, I was there when he set the heavens in place. When he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, he was there. Jesus is clearly telling us that he was with God during the creating of all that is. He was there at the Father's side, marvelling at the birth of the universe and all that is in it. Wouldn't that have been a magnificent time, wouldn't it? Just imagine how, how glorious that would have been for Jesus, just to see everything coming into being, all the elements that make up life, just all getting created and formed. And, you know, I reckon it would have been, you know what I reckon they would have had a ball doing? It's just making all the insects. Let's make them as weird as possible. Let's stretch them right out here and put a million legs on them. And, <laughs> you know, what about these crazy worms? Yeah, let's put them in the ground and let them burrow through the earth. You know, it's just amazing what God did. Yeah, let's stretch them out. <laughs> stretch out the necks and put funny little horns on them. Let's <laughs> make dogs so they can keep uh, the humans occupied. Yeah, make them happy. Happy dogs. Yeah, I don't know why the mosquitoes. They must have had a purpose before the fall. I think. I think personally, you know, people say, "Why do these?" You know, um, David Attenborough was saying, um, "If there's a God who created everything that is, why did He create this little mite that would burrow itself into someone's head and, and cause a child to go blind?" My answer is the fall. The fall of man. When the fall of man occurred, a lot of stuff that was used for different purposes. Their purposes changed, you know, and suddenly they became they became mites that wasn't meant to burrow into a person's brain, but you know, because lions, I don't think were meant to eat meat. But after the fall, because lions would would have laid down with the lamb, but after the fall, they became savage, you know, and so all of that the fall brought about all the woes on the planet, and uh, it was man's doing. Man brought that about. And cause those things to take place. And now man turns around and says, well, there mustn't be a God because there's a mite that will burrow into someone's brain and cause a kid to go blind. You know, well, if you've got a limited theology, that would be acceptable for the limited capacity of philosophical thinking that most people have. But if you go and do your study, your theological studies, and find out the truth of, of the Bible and the scriptures and, and the origin of sin and the origin of... And get it all together, because if you're going to study God, you've got to study the Bible, you've got to study the origin of sin. Then you can understand, okay, the fall is the result, and all of these things we brought on ourselves through our sin natures. Amen.
So God came to earth, and this is the amazing thing about Jesus Christ, is that God came to earth. However, he did not come to rule. He came to reveal himself and to die for the sins of men so that our sins could be atoned for. He did not come to rule. He didn't come to rule. He didn't come at that time to take over the earth and to become, you know, king of, of the earth and become a dictator or whatever, right? He came to reveal who he is. He came to be accepted by those that love him and rejected by those that hate him. He came to divide humanity so that at judgment, no one can stand there and say, I, I am unfair, unfairly judged. At judgment, everyone will be fairly judged and not one person on earth will say or be able to say that wasn't fair because God is going to reveal everything that they've ever said and everything they've ever done and make it so clear and put it right before them that they'll be able to say, I deserve hell. You're right, I deserve hell. How can I argue with that? The presentation was too good. It's too true. Too righteous. You're a righteous God, honour, and he will be honoured. It says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When they stand at judgment, every mouth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even if they're going to go to hell, they'll still confess him as Lord. Because he's righteous, he's just, he's true. God took the salvation of men into his own hands because no one in heaven or on earth was able to atone for men because no one was pure enough as a sacrifice for sins. You know, that what Jesus did by coming and taking it upon himself to lay his life down for the sins of men, uh, I see that similar to when Abraham made a covenant with God. What they normally do in the old days, they'll divide the animal in two and then the two parties making a covenant would walk together between the parts. And it was a blood covenant that was made. Mm. But in this case, God put Abraham into a deep sleep. Abraham couldn't walk through because God knew that no man could make a covenant with him and hold to it and stick to it. So he didn't even depend on man to honour the covenant. He just said, I'll honour it myself. And he went through between the parts himself while Abraham was sleeping on the ground. And you know what? It happened again on the cross. Jesus knew no man could make a covenant with me, so I'll make it and I'll do it all on my own. I'll get up on the cross, I'll shed my blood, and the covenant will be made, my blood will be shed so that men will be forgiven if you believe in me. And I'll do it off my own back. I don't have to make any agreements. All you guys have got to do is simply say, I accept you, Lord. How easy. I accept you, Lord, and I'll live for you now. And I'll follow you. And that's, that's the essence of, of our faith, is we have it all done for us. All we've got to do is accept it. We don't have to do good works to get into heaven. We don't have to make a covenant with God and say, I'll honour my covenant with you and, and fulfil it. You know what I mean? We do when we accept Jesus. We've got to live for him, yeah. But we can't get into heaven by our own good works because none of us are righteous. None of us can make that sort of covenant. Proverbs 8.30 to 31, it says, Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Not only was he rejoicing in the presence of God and at the wonder of all that he created, but he delighted in the creation of mankind who was made in their image. Wouldn't it have been amazing for God, like, as I said earlier, he makes all the animals and everything, and then he, he goes, why don't we create something that looks like us and give them some capacities like us, the ability to think, the ability to reason, the ability to create. And then it says here, right here, that, that Jesus rejoiced in his whole world and he delighted in mankind. I wonder how long that delight was there for. 
you know, in the garden, Adam and Eve, he used to walk with them in the evening. Remember, God used to come down. I don't know how, it doesn't say in the Bible how long that was for, but he was delighting in that time to be able to, not only he had a relationship with God, uh, the Father, and he had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but he was able to walk in the garden and have a relationship with his creation, talk with them, talk and, and you know, you know, talk about all the wonderful things that, that he created with, with Adam and Eve. But then I think his delight was, you know, destroyed pretty quickly when the, they ate from the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Could you imagine what an astounding achievement it was for God to create everything in the universe? Who's ever drawn a really nice picture? Put up your hand. No? You've drawn a nice picture? I oh, know Tessa has. You've drawn nice pictures, haven't you, Steph? Yep. Who's ever written a really good essay? <laughs> right. You've written some good stuff. You've done good things, right, in your life. You've done good things, right? How proud do you get when you do something really good? You know, when you write a, a little story or something and you get an A-plus from your teacher and you're looking at it going, wow, did I write that? You know? God, it tells us here, God had that same sense of rejoicing in his work, his creation when he saw all that he created. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Because some of us, I think you can think, oh, God just sort of, you know, I'm that good, I can do that, no worries. Mm. But he rejoiced. He was, in a sense, proud of what he did. He loved what he did. He thought it was magnificent. And who wouldn't? When you, if you see creation in its purest form, you couldn't help but be absolutely amazed and blown away by the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom. You know, you watch one documentary on fish or on some animal that they're focusing on, it's amazing, isn't it? When you see how they live together and the sort of relationships that the animals build with each other and the way they uh, hunt for their food and they go into all the dynamics of each individual creation that God made, you, you, we sit there and wonder. Imagine God who sees everything all complete, all as he spoke. You know, It's a wonder, the wonder of creation. Proverbs 8, 32 to 36, it says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. This is important stuff here. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favour from the Lord, but whoever fails to find me harms himself. And all who hate me love death. You know, I've, I've many times, because I get a lot of threads on my videos from atheists, there's a lot of people who hate God out there, hate God with a passion. And you'll find one of the signature things that happens when someone hates God, they usually, in many respects, they know they're doing it, and in other respects, they don't realize it. They actually worship death. You know, I know people who worship death. They listen to death metal. They're into death. They wear T-shirts that says death. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are into death. And there's a lot of religions out there that are into death. There's a lot of the mindset of a lot of the things that we get into, which are sinfully based, is death as a result. You know, sex outside of marriage. People die for that. Literally. They contract AIDS. Homosexuality. You can get AIDS from it. You know? And people die engaging in, in sin. So anyone who hates God loves death. 
and uh, the words is easily verified. Whoever fails to find me harms himself. If you don't find Christ in this life, you harm yourself. You condemn yourself. There is no other way into heaven except through Christ. There's no other way to, to conquer death than in Christ. If we go through a whole life on this planet and do not find Christ, we harm ourselves. If we never discover the reality of God, and if we deny his existence and reject his sacrifice for our sins, we condemn ourselves. I've heard certain people, I won't name some names, but they're in, in our family. Um, I heard, heard one particular person on the phone call and they were laughing and mocking at uh, spiritual things and said, oh, if there's a hell, we're going there. And they laughed. Well, that was quite funny because they think it's a joke. The reality is it's... According to Scripture, it's a real place. So we've got to stay the course and not reject him because if we do, we, we harm ourselves. And Jesus answered and he said this in John 14, 6, I am the way. A way is a road that you take, a path that you go on or you follow. He's the truth. Jesus himself is the embodiment of all truth and Jesus himself is the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. You can't get into heaven except go by going through the door. That is Jesus Christ. And open the gate. Jesus says, I'm the gate. And he also said, I'm the door. You open Christ to go into the kingdom of heaven. You go through him. Amen. All right. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time today, Lord. I just pray that this sermon had touched some hearts here today, Lord. And uh, I pray that this message will really uh, get out there on YouTube and, and make an effect on um, so many people's uh, lives. And I pray that a few people will just accept it and turn to you and, and uh, accept you as Lord and Saviour. I pray that the atheists that will listen to this message will take their preconceived notions out of their minds for a moment and just really give some deep considerations to the wonderful world that you created, the wonderful creation that is uh, all around us and who, who speaks clearly. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. We are without excuse if we cannot find you in everything that has been created. So I pray, Lord, that you uh, will open hearts to receive this message and that they will recognise you in everything that has been created. And we just ask that they would receive you as Lord and Saviour, Lord Jesus. We pray your blessing over us this week and over everything that we do. Be with us in the name of Jesus. Amen.